I want to go over what I saw last night. It was it was quite amazing. It was absolutely amazing what I witnessed uh, last night. Uh, you know, you, you everybody's talking about Nancy Pelosi ripping up the papers. That was shocking to you because I think, and I, I did not watch it, I was there in the room. And so I have a very different take on what that room felt like. Would you agree I'm a pretty good read of rooms? Yes, definitely. Would you agree I've been in rooms of hatred? Oh, almost every room you walk in is a room yeah, of hatred. Right. Mm-hmm. So I have been in a room in Los Angeles with a bunch of lefties, actual communists in the room, literally communists in the room. And I asked this room, raise your hand. Please don't be shy. And they weren't. Raise your hand if you think you hate me. Were you there? I wasn't there, but I've okay. heard this story. So, And from not from me. Sources, I mean, multiple yes. sources. Multiple sources. <laughs> 95% of that room. There were like seven people there. And I think four of them were like 10 members of my staff and family that didn't raise their hand. Okay? Mm-hmm. Everybody else raised their hand. And... Uh, and so I, I know rooms where you can feel hatred. Last night, I experienced something I have never experienced before in my life. I, it, was, it was as, you know what? No, I have experienced it before. Were you with me? No, you weren't. I tried in, to stay away, obviously. I know. In Israel, I went into the Palestinian section, and I was giving a speech in the Palestinian section, and we were up like five stories up on a roof. And these Palestinian uh, protesters uh, came to the street level. And as I was giving the speech, I was on a rooftop. And as I was giving the speech, Palestinians were down on the ground and they were throwing chairs at the side of the building. They were trying to throw them. I mean, I wanted to look down and go, guys, you're not even close. Uh, But uh, they had so much hatred for me and and Jews that they were throwing the chairs from the ground. They were just gathering things, anything they could throw, and they were trying to hit us on the roof. Okay, so I've experienced that. Mm -hmm. Nothing compared to this. Last night. I walked into a room that was full, half full of people who could not, I shouldn't even say that. I think it was about a third of the room, maybe 60% of the Democrats, 100% of the the radical progressive caucus, okay? 100%. The hatred was so strong in that room, I, it, it, almost took my breath away when you saw nancy pelosi rip that up you can say well that was petty that was little you could even say and i honestly do not think that donald trump saw her reach her hand out i saw that moment i didn't even see the hand it's close when you watch it and pause it which i've done yeah uh just by frame frame by frame it's possible he actually didn't even see her hand. Now he, he wasn't. Not, he wasn't expecting it. Mike Pence. He didn't shake Mike's hand. Right. 
you know, and so he wasn't expecting it. And she had, when she grabbed it, she grabbed it with both, both hands, hands. And as he's turning, she puts his hand out. Now, he may have seen it in his peripheral vision. And I wouldn't be, I certainly wouldn't put it past him. And he's completely justified to not shake her hand. Right. Though I have not seen him take responsibility or deny it. I should probably right. check Twitter. He probably will take, after ripping it up. Yeah, he, he probably will take responsibility. And she's for it. she's gonna blame. Oh well, you know I did. You see that the the post the Democrats released after this? No. It's a place where uh, Nancy Pelosi's reaching out her hand, and the president's turning away, and it's like we as Democrats we will always reach our hand across the aisle, and we will always try to work together for the good of the country. This is moments after she ripped up the speech. To try to send a message that she'll never respect a word. I mean, she's ripping up the the, the stories of, of veterans and children and victims of crime. It's horrible. She just, I mean, it's awful. So she was that move with her ripping it up. If you saw her face and you knew how calculated she was and what that felt like, that was nothing compared to what I felt in that room for this president. This president was masterful in controlling that room last night and making sure they didn't get any air to breathe. He did not stop um, when they were they were jeering him, murmuring, uh, hissing much worse than last year. I've only been to two of these last year still had a little bit of a light spirit where he would look he would look at the left and he'd go, come on, you can applaud for that. There was no humor in this at all. He knew what he was facing. He has really grown into this job. And when he was talking about stuff, they would start to jeer, and he wouldn't give that room any oxygen. He just started talking louder. And anytime you heard the Republicans really stand up and go, yeah, that was not because necessarily they were so excited about that piece. They were they were sending it back um, to them because they were jeering and booing and just behaving, quite honestly, uh, like a bunch of third graders. And uh, it, it was really, really hostile, really hostile. There were three people that walked out, actually four people that walked out from the floor. One person in the gallery had to be ejected. Uh, I saw I saw congresswomen actually put their head in their hands and then just collapse into their lap uh, like they were completely defeated, which. A lesser man, a much <laughs> lesser man would have would have made him feel good. Now, I don't want to comment on how I felt because I don't want that lesser man to. Uh, mm-hmm. hear this but okay. anyway uh, so uh, they were they got to a point in the speech to where they were actually yelling at each other have you ever been in a room full of people where somebody is so offensive or it's so crazy that you look at your friend and you're like I can't believe that son of a bitch is doing this and you're yelling back at the same time. Have you ever been in that yeah. situation oh, yeah. mm-hmm. where you're so wild with anger? That was happening last night on the floor. Nobody saw that. The press must turn the cameras to the floor. 
You should have a side-by-side where you can see the members of Congress because you have no idea what the president is going through unless you can see what he is seeing. Yeah. And Nancy Pelosi was a picnic. The ripping up was a picnic compared to this. Now, let me tell you about Elon Omar and uh, and Rashid Tlaib. Rashida, Rashida right. Tlaib. Mm-hmm. They were sitting in the very back row. Um, last year, I told you I watched those two carefully, and they were really kind of coordinating things. This year, they came and they were not interested. You know what they were? Um you know those girls that were always too pretty for the assemblies? They were too pretty for you, too pretty for everybody else, too pretty even for the pretty girls at school. Sure. And they were just above it all. Mm-hmm. And if somebody would say something to them, they'd just look at you. Like if you'd go, hey, can you guys shut up? They would just look at you and they'd be like, well, you should have. You know that? <laughs> this seems personal to you, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> it does seem like a very specific. Not a single pretty girl. Even would say that to you? No, no. Uh, so anyway, uh, so uh, uh, that's that's what this was, right? Okay, they were they were there, but you know, it's you've seen it in movies and mainly in comedies where they're just doing their thing, and you are irrelevant to them. Mm-hmm. That was Rashida Tlaib and Elon Omar. They were sitting in the back. They were laughing. They were uh, giggling. I mean, I want to show you the notes so I can prove what they said last night. Are these contemporaneous notes? These are contemporaneous notes. So they must count as evidence. Right, yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now I want you to know that you you will not be able to read them. Let me show you one of them. You won't be able to read them because I had to write this without really even looking between my legs on these pieces of paper, so they're barely. I can barely understand them because you're not allowed to. You're write not allowed. Oh no! The, if you're on the other side, you can write because you're a member of the press. Okay. If you're down on the floor, you can text. You can record. You can laugh. You could play part cheesy. Oh. But if you're in the gallery, nothing. And they yell at you. They tried to eject me last year for making notes. <laughs> so this year I got a very small pen and a, a piece of paper from the hotel. And I just was taking notes and I was trying to hide it. So they're hard to read. But on page on page one, this is, this is page one okay, of mm-hmm. my notes. I wrote... They really are messy, too. Yeah, they're really horrible. Uh, Tlaib uh, and uh, Elon playing a game, question mark, laughing. Like okay. a game on their phone? Yeah, they weren't. They were They were just like... I don't know what they were doing, but they were showing each other different things. They would like serve... I, they might have been like, hey, have you seen this new turban? This is a great turban, because she was wearing the... You know, the headdress. Sure, sure. So I don't know what they were doing. They might have been shopping. They might have been laughing. They might have been on, you know, uh, some dating app. I have no idea. Um, But, well, with Elon, maybe. You don't know. She might be looking to date another brother. Oh, my gosh. Did he say that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So she's, they're they're (laughs) laughing. and And I watched them the whole time. 
Um, then on page five, I write open contempt, just fun and games for Elon and Rashid. Okay, mm-hmm. Rashida. Rashida. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, page six. Let's see. Page seven. Um, Elon, first time she has looked up and paid attention. Ice officer. That's when she's talking the ice officer. Really? She looks up. That, that's how deep into this she was before she paid any attention. That's over an hour. This is Elon? Elon. Oh, okay. maybe she was just worried one was coming in. I know. It could have been. But that's the first time she looked up and engaged at all. But she kind of looked up like, is he still talking? And what is? And then she kind of looked up at the gallery. So she was paying attention to the ice uh, thing. Because she had, I mean, to, to review in case you don't know, she's had uh, many questions about uh, the, marrying her brother, about, about marrying her brother, about how she got here, about whether she was bringing others here, yeah, legally or in- illegally. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of those questions. Right. But it's also one of those issues that she claims to care about, right? Okay. Maybe, the, maybe the other things weren't hitting her interests. Okay. On page eight, I write. Why is she even here? And what I was thinking was, if you care this little, right? why did you even come? You didn't even have to come. It's not like she was, last year, she was coordinating things. Her and AOC, they were, they were really coordinating. Rashida Tlaib and Elon Omar were sitting in the back. They weren't paying any attention. No one was paying any attention to them. And I really thought, on page eight, why are you even here? Mm. Okay. So she was paying attention for ice. Then she went back to fun and games, ta- literally talking to each other. Oh my gosh. You know, uh, the, the kind of people like in a movie or anything, like an important speech, to turn around out. and go, yeah. can you shut up? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's the way it was. Then page nine, uh, I put walkout, Elon Rashid out. I didn't tie it to anything. All right. Couldn't tie it to anything. Well, now that you know what I observed, let me tell you how it was spun by them. Uh, And you tell me what the truth is, what really happened. We'll do that in one minute. All right. So here's here's what happens. So these two finally walk out. After me wondering, they're not paying attention at all. Why are they even here? Well, they, they published a reason why they walked out. And, and you tell me, Democrats, Rashida Tlaib, uh, and Elon Omar, storm out of State of the Union address. It's all fake. We just had to walk out of that speech. The lies, the bigotry, and the shameless bragging about taking away food stamps that people depend on live. It was beneath the dignity of the office he occupies. Shame. Shame on this forever impeached president. That's what they tweeted. Now you tell me they actually cared about the dignity of the office. That they actually cared about any of this i watched them the whole time they were laughing and talking they were like high school girls that were too pretty to pay attention to anything else the rules didn't apply to them they weren't 
booing. They weren't doing anything. They weren't reacting because they weren't listening. This is a show. Now, last night, there was real, true hatred for this president in the room. Uh, And that's going to, hatred will destroy you. It will just destroy you. Yes, reach for it. And your journey to the dark side will be complete. Um, But that wasn't what was happening with Rashida and Elon. Last night at the State of the Union, I was in the uh, the House chamber, which uh, every American, you should ask if you could get a ticket from your congressman or your senator um, and see it at least once. It is really remarkable. It is unlike anything I ever thought it would be like. I, I hate these things. You know me, Stu. Man, to get me to come to Washington oh, yeah. it, like, takes a, an act of God. To get me here. And I'm very much on the make the State of the Union a letter again campaign. Yeah, me too. I would love me it too. if they just went back to a nice little report. We right. can all get rid of the pomp and circumstance. Right. But it, it, you do learn interesting things about your representatives there. Yeah. And when you're in the room, not watching on TV, when you're in the room, you will learn a ton of stuff. Uh, ran into President Trump on the way out. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, he, he. I thought he did a. I thought he did an amazing amazing job he's good at these uh, things last I, night I, I, he, he is good at that level i mean it was a well-crafted speech it talked about his uh accomplishments and there's a lot of them particularly with the economy and isis and things of that nature he presented a bunch of issues that were are typically thought of as partisan issues but he presented them in a way that it's almost impossible to disagree i mean you have things like late-term abortion and um, you know, school choice, and there's several in that realm that he was able to kind of present. Suleimani uh, being killed. Did you uh, see how? the dial test? Have you seen the dial test yet? No. Okay, you, so you know what a dial like a test Frank is? Frank Luntz uh, dial test. Yeah, it wasn't Frank though, but there was a dial mm-hmm. test, and uh, they give it to you know Republicans and Democrats, and they're watching the speech live, and it's like a big volume knob, and you turn it up when if, you like it. When you like it, you turn it down when you don't. Usually. His speeches are polar opposites. Yep. Republicans um, love him. Democrats hate yeah, him. Yeah. Republicans are giving him A's. The the Democrats are giving him F's. In critical places, uh, Republicans were giving him A's and um, Democrats were giving him C pluses. Which is now, pretty high for... For C plus, there were not a lot of F's last night. So anybody who's telling you this was a divisive speech... It may have been if you're in that room with Nancy Pelosi, but if you're an average American and you're a blue-collar person, you're somebody who, you're independent, you don't know who you're going to vote for. Remember, the ones who give him an A and an F, they're never going to change their minds. The president needs to change the minds who might give him a C or a B. And that's what this speech was last night. And it was so effective, so effective. On a personal note, um, about an hour before, I got a phone call and said, hey, Rush is going to be in the room with you. And when I say in the room with me, remember, there's a thousand other people in the room. Right, right, right. Um, And they said, he's coming. I 
I immediately thought he's going to be recognized. I didn't know that he was coming with the first lady. And um, I saw him, and one of the first things on my notes that I wrote was, Rush looks good. Um, now, I saw him from a distance. Um, he, uh, you know, I don't know if it, he didn't seem frail. Did he look frail on TV? No, he looked like he had lost weight since the yeah. last time I had seen him, but I didn't, it didn't look like he looked frail. Yeah, okay. He had the beard, yeah. which I, had, I hadn't I seen had him seen with that. that. Yeah. No. But he, uh, he looked good last night. Yeah. Um, and uh, when, he, when he was pointed out, the cynic would say, well, the president, and this is what all the press is saying, well, the president, you know, he needs those Rush Limbaugh, you know, people to be behind him. That's not what happened last night. You were not watching, um, you were watching Two Friends. I believe Rush Limbaugh and Donald Trump are just two friends that live in a very different world. Um, you know, one lives in his mansion and the other lives in Mar-a-Lago. And they're isolated. They have a lot of attacks all the time. And they they have a lot in common. And they're friends. And I thought you saw the ultimate act of friendship last night. I'm the president. You know, I want this guy to know how much he's meant to Republicans and to America. And when I when I heard that he was getting the Presidential Medal of Freedom, which is the highest honor the president can do, it's like the Congressional Medal of, of Honor, this is the President Medal of Freedom, um, the, the left went crazy, which was so... Who does that? Who does that to a guy who has, you know, uh, late-stage lung cancer um, and when you have late stage lung cancer I mean you can look it up yourself and I have great hope and he has great doctors and he has great hope but when you look at the odds it's it's one of the most vicious cancers because it you don't feel anything and once you do it's you're riddled throughout your body with it and there's not much you can do surgically um, and to me I felt this was a friend saying, hey, I know you're afraid. I know I know that there's a chance that you're going to make it, and I know you and you're a fighter, and I want to give you some hope and optimism and let you know how much you're loved by people. Mm. But it was also a feeling that, my friend, we don't know what tomorrow holds, and I want you to have this now. Yeah. Did you get that feeling at all? Oh, totally. It, it, it came off as completely legitimate and heartfelt. Russia and shocked. Th- that, that part of it was interesting because be, you know, as they're getting ready, we're getting ready to start our coverage here at Blaze TV, we get alerts on our phone that say Rush Limbaugh is going to receive this medal. Um, oh, really? So you got that? I got it. And it was before the thing started. So when, he, when they mentioned that to him and he stands up, he, he's leg- he looks legitimately shocked. That he's getting this. Well, I but saw it, him it in been... the room. See, in the room, you can't have any self-service. Right, that might be So it, yeah. when did they release that? It was it was right before the... Right so before. we're in there. We have no cell service. So you're mm. locked in a room where no one in the gallery has a cell phone and or any access to anything electronic. If ah. you're down on the floor, yes. But if you're up, 
everything is taken from you. Because we already have, at this point, when we're doing the coverage, have the entire speech. We know what we can read we ahead. Don't. We know what's going you on. You have to. In you're room, locked you in that room mm. an, uh, about an hour before. Mm-hmm. The first family gets in about 15 minutes early, uh, and then the president's wife is introduced um, you know, when she first when you know, when when she's introduced, when this starts. Um, but uh, Rush was in early. There's no way he there's no way he saw that. Hmm. Um, do we have uh, John Miller on the phone with us? John. Glenn, John how are you there? doing? I'm here. Good. John Miller from the White House brief. I know we pulled you away from a speech that you're giving this morning. Um, were you in the room or were you watching it? last night from the Capitol. No, I was, I was so, you know, they treat media like garbage at these events. So what they do is there's the crypt at the Capitol and they stick all of the journalists in the crypt and then you get to watch it on these cheap little monitors that they have set up. Um, oh, and so great. you have all the congressmen and women walking by uh, and they walk into the chamber and then we get the, the honor of watching it in, in this basement crypt area with police making sure we don't so, do anything crazy. So, John, by the way, remind me, Stu, to talk about the police. I saw stuff yesterday. I don't know what they were prepared for, but it was crazy town. Oh, wow. It was crazy town. Mm -hmm. Um, John, let me ask you a couple of questions. Before I get to what the response was in the room and how you felt in the room, uh, you know, there in the crypt, um, let me ask, have you ever seen a Republican do a better job of reaching out to minorities than this president? And how did that how did this speech play to you as an African-American who's a conservative? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it was one of those things where it wasn't just, you know, here's my little line to pander to African-Americans. Here's my little, you know, um, one, two, you know, oh, an African-American, too. I mean, the beginning of the speech, essentially, he started with talking about the black unemployment rate. Uh, a number of his guests were African-Americans and not just African-Americans, you know, to be like, look, I have African-American, uh, you know, supporters, but friends actually helping through his policies. I mean, you know, you had the, the, the little girl, Janiah Davis and her mom, Stephanie, who were affected by the Pennsylvania governor's um, anti-school choice is the veto that he did. You had uh, the Tuskegee Airmen and his son. You had all of these people who the president was honoring. And of course, uh, and I'm sure you've already talked about this today, but the room just did not acknowledge it. They were just silent. And so as an African-American to watch that and to just watch the Democrats completely shun African-Americans, that was something to watch. And that kind of sent chills down my spine. But the so, John, out if, if, if if Pete Buttigieg it turns out to be a contender or the nominee, um, if that's the guy, um, a lot of people tell me that African-Americans, they won't care. They'll just go with it anyway. Other people say, you know, that that is one line they just won't cross or they haven't crossed yet. <laughs> Um, if you have Donald yeah. Trump who is performing this way and reaching out this way and Pete Buttigieg on the other side, what happens to the African-American lock vote? I think you're going to start to see some really interesting things happen because uh, there's already some polls out there that are showing African-Americans where I don't know if I trust these polls, but it's showing it near 40 for African-American support for Donald Trump, which seems incredibly high to me. But it tells you that there's something happening where he's, he, he, he is gaining traction 
with African-Americans. And I, I, I specifically think with African-American males because they are the ones whose jobs are being taken and they are the ones who are being affected by things that Donald Trump advocates, such as clamping down on illegal immigration. And I think, um, like you said, with the Pete Booty judge thing, uh, you know, he has zero percent. I always get put in that awkward situation. Uh, you know, John, why does Pete Buttigieg have zero percent with the African-Americans? And I'm always like, uh, can I say it? Because, uh, you know, as an African-American and grew up in an African-American household, every African-American knows the reason why. And uh, in today's day and age, you're not allowed to exactly mm. say. But that's, uh, you know, it's, uh, the black households are households that, you know, are, are very faith based. And, you know, we grew up in the church and we grew up um, and, and the um, and his sexuality is something that I don't know uh, if, if blacks are ready for that. That's something that blacks are very conservative on. And I know you're not allowed mm. to say that. And I know that's not something that, you know, is PC, but he has almost zero percent. And, you know, and it's even more offensive because he lines up black people behind him. I don't know if you saw his Iowa, um, quote unquote, mm. victory speech, but he he literally mm. he had. Four black women behind him, which was like, you know, he found them somewhere, and they're the four black women that support him. But he has no support, and there's a reason for it, <laughs> and and the reason why is is, is obvious to most blacks, and, and you just can't say it. It's it. um, it's interesting because because I mean the PC world will tell you uh, that you can't say it, but where it is being said is by black voters to pollsters right, who I are know. telling them Correct. that they are uncomfortable with yeah. a president uh, who would be who may be gay. John, let me let me switch topics here real quick. I've got about forty five seconds before I have to take a break. Tell me um, what your impression was there in the press room in the basement of the Capitol. Yeah. What? How were they reacting? Since you were talking about Rush before we got on, Glenn, let me just tell you that they literally scoffed. I was so disgusted by their reaction to Rush when Rush, uh, his facial reaction when he realized he was getting the, uh, the medal from the president. They literally said, oh, he's so sick. Oh, this is disgusting. They literally scoffed. And just to say that to a man with lung cancer, um, you know, who might be in his last, you know, who knows what. Uh, it just shows their disrespect and, and the kind of people they are. And I really have a hard time respecting people who would do that to a man who is as ill as Rush is. John, thank you so much. Great to talk to Thanks, you. Glenn. Keep up your coverage. You can see John uh, with the White House brief on Blaze TV. Uh, he's, a, um, he's just a great guy. Just really, really good. Very, very smart. You know, top of his class in uh, Columbia, even though he was a even though he was a closeted conservative Mm, the whole time, the whole time, they didn't know they didn't know they're that smart (laughs) back in just a second. Hello, America, and uh, welcome. Last night, I was very popular. I was handing out the Nancy Pelosi sucks pen. Were <laughs> you really? Oh, yeah. No, they loved it. They loved it. Has Nancy Pelosi designed a strategy to maximize the amount of these pens that are sold? Because she is constantly getting showing everyone that she sucks more and more every so single these day. These are I pulled one out to one congressman. I said, hey, you know, the pens that Nancy Pelosi was handing out and I pulled it out because it looks just like it. Yeah. And he went, how did you get that? And I said, no, 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 look at the signature. It says Nancy Pelosi sucks. And he said, oh, 
dear God, I want one. <laughs> and I said, I happen to have pockets full of them. <laughs> Handing them out like cigars yesterday. Very popular. You can get one right now just by going to nancypelosisuckspen.com. They're $19.40, you know, priced for the year of her birth. You're listening to Glenn. NancyPelosiSucksPen.com. <laughs> <laughs>